Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there, my name is Des Cahill and today's visitor to the island is whatever you call the opposite of a shy and retiring Kerryman. A columnist and broadcaster still running the family pub in Listowel, John B. Keynes. It's a pleasure to welcome Billy Keane. So Billy, did you, did you find it strange in lockdown with the pub being closed for a few months? Oh, I did, yeah. Sometimes I'd go down and look around and I could I could even hear the voices. It was terrible. The first year, well, you, you get used to that for a while. Uh, one of the most lonesome places is, is an empty pub. Yeah. So one night I went down anyway and I had a, a drink. I never drink on my own. It's a rule I have. And I had a drink and I had three drinks and I put on a bit of music and I started doing a bit of a dance around the floor because I was so unused <laughs> to the drink. I was like you in that dancing competition. <laughs> Was it tough? It was awful tough. It's it's tough on extroverts. This was like I would more than yourself. I'd class myself. I love people, love talking to them, and having a bit of fun. And it was just terrible. I I think one of the big things about opening up a bit more, and it's not because I'm in the in the pub business. It's the, the mental health. It paid a visit to people's heads and didn't leave, uh, and it just nested there. And it was so hard on a lot of people. And and there's been a big big fallout and we won't really hear about it until sure. all the facts and figures come in but yeah. that'll be down the line yeah. but at least we're open anyway I visited a couple of establishments yesterday in Dublin in the course of my duties <laughs> as a columnist and I had a lovely time and it was great to hear even the noise you know the buzz was, 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 yeah. it was like WB8's hearing the, the sound of the bees and yeah, yeah. it was the same thing to me to hear the sound <laughs> of the pub the murmur the, the pub is is an historic pub because, and it gets a lot of visitors outside of the locals I'd imagine does it? Uh, it does yeah it's a tourist pub as well uh, our peak season would be from St Patrick's Day until after the stall races in September, and we get tour buses in now as well. And uh, I talk to the buses, we give them tea and a scone, and I'd read a bit out from some of my dad's books in the hope that they'd buy a book after then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a great source of income for us, but we only had one bus this year. Oh, Every other one was cancelled. And it's great to get people in. And I love. I love telling the truth to tourists. Like everybody in Kerry tells lies to the tourists. Nice lies, like. But I love telling the truth to the tourists. And it, it they're, they're shocked when they hear it, you know. What, what kind of truths do you tell them? Oh, I, I, well, I, what I usually talk about is is what happened in the pub. You know, when we were kids, uh, grow, we, we grew up upstairs and we lived upstairs. Yeah. So we were a bit like the chickens, really. We were free range. We just wandered in and out of the bar, the two brothers and myself. My sister came along. Later on, there's 10 years between us, Joanna. And uh, Dad and Mam, you know, Mam would cook the dinner. Dad would be upstairs writing, roaring at us when he was trying to write these masterpieces like The Field. And uh, we were chatting with someone. We are doing a documentary on The Field in September, but it's 30 years now since the movie. But we were chatting with somebody who knew my dad well. I was only a small fella. And he said, my dad nearly went out of his mind trying to write The Field because he was getting inside the head of a murderer. He felt pretty bad writing about his own locality, more or less, is only 20 miles away. And he was, the stress was killing him, you know. And we'd be there roaring and shouting, like in this man trying to write a masterpiece about a murderer, you know. Were you conscious of that as a child, that it was written about the locality? No, not until I was much older, but I, I was at the opening night 
in the Olympia. I was, what was I, eight. I remember my auntie Peg, she's passed away now, lifting me up to show me the, the sign said full house. And it was a queue nearly going back as yeah. far as Dublin Castle or back that direction. Anyway. And I and but I didn't get it, but it's now I remember him, you know. Yeah. Uh and like how big a thing it was at the time for my dad, you know, and how proud he was. Yeah. But he wouldn't say a word. Like he 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 like the last thing he would ever do is he might say to his best pal quietly over a point, but never. It was it wasn't the done thing to, to say you were doing well. <laughs> I think it's an Irish thing really, you know. We we'd be afraid we'd get a swelled head. And the, they're all Americans, are they, on, the, on those buses? Mostly Americans, yeah, 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 yeah mostly Americans. Uh, they come from a lot of Irish Americans. And what I find about the Irish Americans is that, in many respects, they're they're better educated about Ireland than we are ourselves because, you know, especially with with the internet now, they, they read extensively and they check it up. The day's gone when they're looking for leprechauns. Yeah. You'll get the odd one. Like, <laughs> like some, you know, I, I wouldn't be the tallest. Although I'm very tall nowadays. You notice that since... The hair grew. <laughs> yeah, I'm six foot seven nowadays. Uh, my hair has gone up so high. But uh, sometimes these fellas come up to me and they say, "You leprechaun," and it does annoy me ever so slightly. But I just think of the money. <laughs> Your first musical choice is the Black Hills of Dakota, Doris Day. What's yeah. the story behind that? Well, it's uh, kind of a family song. You know, we'd all be going out to Belly Bun and my father had a little mini minor car. I don't know why he got such a small car because he was. He was often broke, you know, and so that was probably as much. And we'd be packed in and fighting in the back of the car. And then he'd sing, take me back to the Black Hills. And it was always our song. And at the end of a great night in the bar, you know, Mickey McConnell, uh, the, the great songwriter who, who wrote, Only Our Rivers Run Free, a lifelong Republican, and yours truly, we decided that our national anthem would be would be the Black Hills of Dakota. And everyone holds hands <laughs> and we all sing it. And... Then when my mom died five years ago, uh, we sang the Black Hills of Dakota up at the graveyard. My uncle died two years ago and we all sang the Black Hills of Dakota. It's sung at the end of the night at the, or the end of a life. Uh, it was Doris Day, I think, who yeah. sang it. I'm not sure which version you yeah, have. Doris Day, yeah. Doris Day, yeah, in the movie as well. And I fell in love with Doris Day when I was about six. Uh, you were, she passed you weren't away alone last, there, I'd say. No. Uh, she passed away last year. I was nearly going to go to two days. You know? <laughs> but... Uh, but it's 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 kind of part of the pub. Everyone knows the words are very easy to remember, and bad singers get away with it, like myself. I suppose you could say it's kind of a winding up song for us. It's a great way of getting closing time going as well. <laughs> like we're in terrible trouble now getting them out since the mother died. My mother was the bouncer yeah. in John B's, and she was the bouncer till she was eighty six. So now we sing the Black Hills, and they know that's it. Then you know, <laughs> so it's kind of. It finishes up the, the great nights that we have, and I hope we'll have them again soon. I so hope, you know. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's the Black Hills of Dakota and Doris Day, the choice of today's guest, Listowel writer and publican Billy Keane. Your pub, it can't be easy to clear people out because I'd imagine it's about the chat and the crack. And it's a talking pub, really. Yeah. Uh, we get all kinds of characters in, and that's always been the case. Uh, when I was a small fella, Sonny Canafin used to come into the pub. And he'd a glass eye, and he'd put the glass eye up at the counter, and he'd say to the glass eye, "Keep an eye on Nora." <laughs> Nora was his wife, and poor Nora was an invalid. And Sonny would do the shopping, and there would be the glass eye. <laughs> but we stole it one time when we played marbles, and it went down, it went down the shore hall outside the pub. It did and not. back in those days, it took about thirteen years to get a replacement glass eye, but the council found it and they dug it up. 
it, it was uh, we always had the, the place always attracted characters but it's about to talk and I just as you know Des I love talking it's my life and I just love the chat and we get great characters in it. and like they say very funny things you know mm. it was a strange thing when my dad died just outside the door of the pub uh, there was this old boy and someone asked him uh, one of the reporters that came I think it was Lee's hand she said what do you think of uh, of John B. Keane and he said well he said miss he said John B. was the smartest man of them all because he took down what we said and then he charged us to read it <laughs> so, and I'm trying to do it now as well robbing lines off the customers you know and and throwing them in. Do you get stick about your own columns? I do, yeah. Do you? I do. I wrote about every controversial subject you could imagine, everything in 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 the Saturday column, which is about life in general. And I've and I you get a bit of stick, but it's the sports, especially Gaelic football. I would get a death threat about every two years <laughs> off for football, sometimes rugby maybe, but mostly Gaelic football. Like, yeah. but it's part of it, and I I'd like to say it doesn't affect me. Sometimes it does, but. In the last few years, I kind of enjoy it. And if I, the odd time I delve into the murky waters of Twitter and I'd have a look and I enjoyed knowing it, like the things they say about you. My favourite one was uh, was uh, a few years ago, some fella tweeted, uh, he said, I've just read Billy Keane's column in the Irish Independent and I have to say, John B., John B. must have taken the wrong baby home from the hospital. <laughs> so, well, I enjoy those ones, yeah. You'd have to enjoy them. Yeah. Of course, you're a big Kerry football fan, mm-hmm. which bring, brings the, the Kerry-Dublin thing. People talk about the Kerry-Dublin rivalry, but I think mm-hmm. it's it's the supporters enjoy each other as much as the The as supporters the rivalry, get on famously. They really do, and that's not just the... By no, throwing I, insults at each other. Yeah, but it's no, they get on very well. Um we had to learn to take our beating. It's easy to get on well when you win, but in recent years we had to take our beating. You know, yeah. I remember writing one time after Dublin beat us. I think it was 2011. They hadn't beaten us for about 30 years, mm-hmm. and uh, they won in 2011 um, with a last minute free. They shouldn't have been given. Yeah, but anyway, look, we won't be grudging. We won't be grudging. <laughs> we won't be grudging. Yeah. But anyway, I remember writing that the good part of it was all the dubs would be coming to carry for their holidays to tell us how great they are. So, <laughs> but that kind of slight. I was. I was with the Brogans yesterday out in out in uh, their pub and uh, we had some slack. We had a great yeah. time, you know. And uh, the Brogans' mom, Marie's my next door neighbour, so oh, she's yeah. three doors down, and then Johnny Sexton is two doors. His dad, and uh, Joe Stack is the other side. So it's like kind <laughs> of forty three. <laughs> it is, yeah. 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 So we, we we had a lovely time. But you know, there, there's no point in saying it's all happy, happy. Like football in Kerry is is like I would be depressed for months after Dublin beating us in the All-Ireland not permanently depressed but in a football sense for the last you know with, with Covid they keep showing the replays of that cursed game in 1982 when Dublin got the last minute goal everywhere for, for about three weeks when got it yeah uh, uh, sorry yeah. Offaly got yeah, it yeah, yeah. Seamus Darby yeah. uh, and like, like everywhere you look there it was again again and like I've never watched that game in its entirety but I've seen the goal 16,000 times and you showed it Des I was nearly yeah. going to walk out and show over it look it was a, it was a great shot and good luck to Offaly fair play to them couldn't begrudge Offaly, could you? I begrudge everyone that beats <laughs> Kerry. No, no in fairness, we have good fun with them as well. Your second musical choice, Billy, is Whiskey in the Jar. Well, Whiskey in the Jar is kind of a rite of passage. I feel very strongly, uh, you know, about about the Black Lives Matter. And I just wanted to include it because Phil Linnett, in a way, was the first black Irish man. I know there was many before him, but he was the first one we knew and we identified with. And he plays this quintessentially Irish folk song. 
and rocks it up. And he did it for my age group. I was a young fella at that time. And, and I just thought, like, we bought, we all bought into him. And you'd be shaking your head, uh, head banging your head to an Irish folk song. There was yeah. whack, and everyone would be going, playing air guitar <laughs> and uh, and then going down your knees. And I remember being in Bally Bunyan one night. And we all had big heads of hair at that mm. time. Like, again, I was about six foot nine. <laughs> back when that came out because we wore platform shoes <laughs> it was the only time I was ever taller than and women <laughs> and big hair all the lads would be shaking their head and it was like kind of going through Alaska with all the danger because the showers were terrible that time the immersion was like the immersion was always broken in our house and there could be a crow living, living upstairs in the hot tank in our house you know and this big cloud and you'd be kind of waving your way through it and you'd have lads from uh Nakhnagashal and Nakhnur and Moinche and and they'd be all calling each other, hey dude, hey man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I loved that time. That was nearly one of my happiest times in Belly Bunyan. Uh, I was in UCC afterwards, and that was the song that got us all going. Everyone would be going stone mad. Yeah. Your father then would be saying, "Will you get, will you get your hair cut?" <laughs> and now we're telling the young lads to grow their hair. Like, it's you know, it. it's it's strange how it goes yeah. wrong. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One. That's Whiskey in the Jar, Thin Lizzy, the choice of today's guest, Listowel writer and publican Billy Keane. Have you been in Listowel all your life, I mean, apart from college? Uh, no, I, I I lived in, in Dublin for four or five years altogether. I was in Cork, Dublin. Would you like to have stayed in Dublin? I was very close to staying in Dublin. I nearly stayed in San Francisco one time. I went on tour with Beck the Rangers Rugby Club. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Sexton was the captain and there was no influence involved he'd be Johnny's dad my my flatmate and I went there and there was a girl in Hyde Ashbury yeah. and her name was Marisa M-A-R-E-E-S-A and she, was, she wasn't the full on hippie she was only hippie at the weekends she had a job at a bank Monday to Friday and I was mad about her I was out there for a week and then I went back afterwards and I met her and uh, her father her father kind of nearly talked me into it because I went out to the house and they had a swimming pool as big as Crow Park and there was fellas in white coats going around bringing us bits to eat and things and I was very tempted but that instead could, that could have been a life changer but instead I went yeah. home and got a gal from Rahi so that was, that was how I walked out <laughs> and that didn't work out too badly for you. no not no. too badly at all no. I have this image and maybe it's unfair to you mm. of you sitting talking at the bar and, and doing no work and her doing the work uh, no she doesn't work in the bar she has enough to do in the yeah, home you know yeah. we had four kids and it's a full time job She's a teacher as well. She often says she has two jobs, three. She has the kids, um, the teacher, and me, the biggest yeah. baby of all, you know. Uh, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't be the, I'm not the greatest barman in the world, no. I forget things a lot, you know. If there's something, there was a fellow, Tim, who worked with us in the bar, came back from America after about 40 years, and I said to him, stand in there for 10 minutes, and I came back two days later. So he worked for us after that, then Tim O'Carroll. And Tim, said, I was, he was calling me for a drink, but I couldn't hear him, and I was talking to him, and he says, hey, partner, this would be a real nice place to open a bar. <laughs> <laughs> the thing in our pub is people, I think people come in because I hardly ever put on the television. I don't have Sky. I put on the Sunday game only when Kerry win. I'm sorry. But it's a, it's a talking pub and I, I want to keep it that way. Mm. I just hope now that we can maintain the sing songs and we can maintain the camaraderie and what we had all along. If anything came out of this disaster, it's that you know we appreciate what we had. I suppose I read a lot of self-help books. I've, I've plenty of reason to. And nearly every one of them say, write down all the good things in your life, you know. Yeah. Maybe what we missed during that yeah. 13, four, it'll, be, it'll be four months, but it'll be four months. But I love the pub now. And there was nights I was getting kind of 
contrary with it and I was getting cranky and I was saying, what am I doing here? And These are long hours. I'd love not to be back. I remember one time we were in the pub, the mother and myself, you know, and the mother and father were buying a grocery shop at the corner of William Street where, where the pub was and they were outbid at the last minute and they bought a pub the following day. That was how, how <laughs> random it was. And my mother with an awful night in the bar. Now, it hardly ever happens, but some fella tried to start the row and I got thick with him and with an awful job getting him out and some fella got sick. I was a disaster mm-hmm. and we were there and uh, my mother said, oh, why wasn't I a grocer's wife? <laughs> and I put a sign, wrote it out in a bit of paper, stuck it on with sellotape to the front window for sale. <laughs> and I came back down, the mother, the mother headed off the following morning about six o'clock and she realised it. No, I love it. I'd nearly go back to full time in the pub. I enjoy what I'm doing here. I enjoy the you know the time, the, the, all the work with RT, which I really appreciated mm. uh, during the time off. And I kind of enjoyed the newspapers. I, I'm not sure if I'll go back to sport again. I love it. I was very well treated. I'm, it's mm. not, I'm not going off on a hoof. But I just kind of, I just kind of, I want to keep a hold of the bar because my dad's name is over it. He worked in England for five years. Um, British Timken, a steel in company. Northampton. No. Northampton, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he worked there. And just to make enough money for the deposit, my mom was a hairdresser. Her mother died when she was only a year old. Her dad died when she was 14. Uncle Jim had the farm. My Auntie Lena. Hello, Auntie mm. Lena. She's there now, <laughs> mind and everything. And, and, and she turned 90 the other day. So it's you like, feel under, I, I just, I do feel... Do you feel under pressure, though, to mind the family? I still feel under pressure to do, but it's a good yeah. pressure. I'm very conscious that it's part of Listowel as well, and we get a lot of visitors coming. I'm not saying we're the only reason there's great pubs in Listowel yeah. and there's lots of other things, but it, it's great to bring the few people, and they might go to the local guest house, and they might have the dinner down the street in one of the... We've incredible restaurants in Listowel. It's a burden in many ways... Uh, I never felt it as badly until the COVID came. We're kind of renovating the place now. The chimney f- nearly fell down. <laughs> the wind, front window got flooded in the middle of all of it. And there's a door being knocked as we speak to put a separate uh, um, entrance into the gents because at the best of times, the women and the men were kind of almost rubbing off each other <laughs> as they went in and out. So we had to change all that. And it'll be a different bar, but it'll be yeah. the same. I, 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 I do feel it. I love it. I mean, it's my home. You know, I grew up there, uh, upstairs there. Like we'd be, we'd be inside in bed maybe at eleven o'clock at night, and there'd be a big sing song going yeah. on downstairs, and fellas shouting out and everything. You know, <laughs> and uh, it's. Did you, it, sleep, it's did just, you sleep through that, by the way? Oh or no, bother, Des. Yeah. I could sleep on top. I could, I could sleep in the middle of O'Connell Street, like on Christmas Eve with the cars rolling over me. It's something you just learn from the pub. Like everyone, people give out to me, but I, I'd asleep before I came in here. I, I just stepped out on the bench there for twenty minutes. I'm a compulsive napper. <laughs> Your final musical choice, Billy Keane, is is a lovely choice. Sweetest old song by John B. Keane. When Dad got sick, yeah, he had prostate cancer. And his energy left him a bit in the last few years. And he didn't write anything huge. He had an idea for a play and he just didn't have the energy to write it. And he, I remember him saying to me, uh, you know, I remember him saying to me, ah, look, he said, I just missed the writing. I don't have the energy. And I said, Dad, like, Jesus, you've written, you've done it all. You know, you're, you're yeah. like, I know this sounds terrible, but I said, Dad, you know, you're, you're one of the greatest writers Ireland has ever had. And he said, uh, ah, no, I just miss it. And he'd sit down and he'd watch TV and, like he, he didn't have the energy for much more, but he was able to write the song because the song was, and this is what he wrote. It took him two years to write it, Sweetless Thought. About, I'd say it was a month or six weeks before he died. He was getting weak enough, but he was still, still come down for the occasional point. Yeah. He had all kinds of bags and devices to divert 
to divert the wastewater. Was that that wouldn't have bothered him. Like yeah. he, he, he wasn't like. But Mickey McConnell is one of my best friends. Uh, you know, he wrote only our, our rivers run free. So he was recording a live album. And it was called Live in Jambies. Mickey McConnell. If I had more songs, I'd have only our rivers run free on. Yeah. But you know, Mickey said to my dad, "Will you sing? Uh, will you sing a song?" And he said, "I don't think I'll be up to it, Mickey." So there was the sing song was going up upstairs, up through the roof, up to where he was. He was resting, you know. And uh, there was a, it was a great atmosphere. The pub was full, like it was a Sunday morning. <laughs> and the next thing is, I could hear I could hear the steps coming down the stairs. And he was very weak. His legs were kind of it was like a newborn fall, you know. His yeah. legs were quite weak, and uh, you know his pants was baggy, and he didn't look great. And he says, "Give me a pint." There, he said. So he drank the pint, and he drank another pint, and then he sang "Sweet Listol," his own song, and it was the last time he was ever recorded. Now his voice isn't strong in it. But he still had a lovely voice, and he got they got the message across. And what it is about really is the love of your own place, and I think that's what will keep us together in the days ahead. Because there's more challenges ahead in Ireland, and we look after our own place, whether it's the Cooler, your your fantastic club, or whether it's me with the store limits, or whether it's anyone anywhere in small town Ireland or big town Ireland or cities or anywhere. If you look after your own place, if we all take care of each other, if we give each other the love. Spend our few euros in the local shops, mind our own, be respectful to the old people and bring up the young people to say, I love this place. This is where I'm born. This is where I'm from. I always think about Listol. You know, there's a part of Listol that I look at and it's, there's the Boys National School where I went to school. And then across the road is a place called Greenlawn where I was born, literally 20 yards away. The day Listol won the Narcarry Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which my father went to because <laughs> the men didn't go in for the babies that time. They were sent to get out, get out of my yeah. sight. I don't remember that was the monotronic. But and then just up and then right there next to the St Michael's where I went to school as well, the secondary school, and right in the middle is the graveyard. So it's all there, life and death, you know, from the cradle to the grave. Yeah. And I spent most of it in the stall. I've had a few offers to leave, uh, but I, I never leave it now. And I love the place so much. And you know, I, Dad sums it up beautifully for me in that last ever song okay. that he wrote and he sings it for us here now well, it's a lovely way to finish the programme Billy Keane as ever a pleasure to chat with you thank you this is a beautiful way to finish the programme Sweet Listole the last time John B. Keane was recorded singing Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1